so grateful to be in this place this morning, to meet you, to be able to worship you, knowing that you sent your son, and that this is a season where we celebrate his coming. God, we're grateful for that truth, God, that you were born, that you were born man, that you could know us. God, we invite you into this place. Lord, be present with us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Anchor Church. There are like an exponential amount of you compared to like the last two weeks, so good job, everyone. 72 Coat Sunday, man. Bring all them coats. You guys were like, I don't want to leave you guys cold. I really appreciate that. Um, I don't know if you've ever had to talk for a long period of time in a cold room. It's not fun. It is cold. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm really excited to be here with you this morning and to be preaching this particular sermon. Uh, But before I begin, I need to level with you. The story of of Jesus' birth, so many times, I just think people get it wrong in the, and I'm I'm not speaking heretically, I'm saying like, so many people get it wrong in the sense that they think it's this like beautiful thing, like everything is silent. When they say the cattle are lowing, they mean off in the distance, right? Not next to Mary's head as she's giving birth. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, right? Okay, but birth is pretty sick. I don't know. Like, there are a lot of mothers in the room. Like, can I get an amen? It's gross. Um, I don't even have a kid, and I know that. Okay, so (laughs) let's just be real about the birth of Christ. It was icky. It was a little icky, right? He was... He was human, okay? Um, And I say that to kind of set the scene for what I'm about to say next so that hopefully nobody boos me off the stage. I don't like babies. Um, And so, oh, get you, come off it, come off it. Okay. (laughs) And I say that because um, when I think about the Christmas story, it always kind of like, I'm like, God, I'm so grateful that Jesus was born. I'm just like really glad you didn't go into detail (laughs) because (laughs) Lord, if I had to read this story over and over again in scripture, I don't know that I'd be praising the same way. Okay. Um, And I think I can nail it down to like one individual moment in my life where I decided I didn't like babies. Um, And that's that I was two and a half years old and I met my cousin for the first time. I'm like, man, those of you who have experience in the hospital with babies know that like they just let it all fly. Am I right? Like, they, they were just born, so you're not going to immediately put clothes on it. Whatever. So I'm standing at the, at the base of his little wheelie cart, you know, um, and I'm looking up at him, and like, I see, I see in my two-and-a-half-year-old mind these little, these little fingers, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's so little. I was like, this is incredible, right? And then I see, like, I see the profile of his, his little nose, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have a cousin, you know, like in a two-and-a-half-year-old sense. Okay, like, whoa, more like. <laughs> um, and then as I'm, like, standing there just marveling at this tiny thing, I start to feel something, um, something warm uh, and something wet and something directly on the top of my head. <laughs> and I look up, and there's a fountain spraying. <laughs> and I think, I think, oh, my gosh, he's... He's peeing, and it goes from it goes from this moment of like he's so tiny, and I don't understand to like I understand completely, and I hate him. (laughs) I see you, and I don't like it. 
Okay, and, and the whole reason for me telling you this story is because I'm really, this Christmas season, mourning the loss of my favorite Christmas sweater, which was Minnie Mouse, R.I.P. <laughs> You're in everywhere. I refuse to wear it after that, okay? When we get real about, about the story of Jesus' birth, we have to come to a specific conclusion, right? And that's, that's like, birth is not a place where you just, like, invite everybody in. You know what I mean? You don't just like say, hey, guess what, guys? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a baby today, and I want all of you, tw- all 25 of you in the room with me, uh, because it's going to be so beautiful. <laughs> no. <laughs> Every story that I've heard is like screaming like, can you get out? Can you leave now? Right? Like, I just want the one person, don't pass out, don't pass out, nurse, nurse. Right? And it just is like, it's, it sounds terrifying, frankly. Um, but... <laughs> All of that to say that the people that we're talking about today, um, we often kind of skip over the facts of the matter in this story. We skip over the fact that because this is a scene where it is not dignified, right, where I don't think the Lord ever said to Mary when she became uh, pregnant with Jesus, like, and when you give birth, you will do so stoically and beautifully, and it will be like nothing anybody has ever seen. Um, In fact, I'm pretty confident he knew she was human, and that's like part of the whole deal. Uh, So (laughs) today we're talking about the Magi, and and as we break down this picture of who they are, this picture of these three wise men, or wise guys as some refer to them, three wise guys, Um, sorry, that came out of nowhere. (laughs) Um, As we break down this story, I need you to keep that realistic image of what the the scene looked like, of the presence of a newborn child, okay? Keep that in your mind, realistically. I mean, you don't have to, like, imagine all the blood and guts, but, like, just some of it, okay? Um, We're going to start our story in Matthew 2, where the Magi very first entered the scene. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. Somebody will bring you one. That's yours to keep. If you do, open it up or just look on the screen. Like, it's 2018, I suppose. Okay, (laughs) Matthew 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Who are these guys? You know what I mean? Like, first off, you didn't come with your invitation, right, to, the, to see this. Second off, like, who, you saw a star? My word, who are you? Okay, so in my research, like, I, I feel like that's a valid question, right? In my research, I found that there are two other places in Scripture where we see magi. Um, and they're both in the Old Testament. And first off, before I even start the first story, um, I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, there are so many J names in Scripture, right? Uh, Joshua, Jesus, John, Jehoshaphat, James. Uh, if I say any of them other than Joseph, please know that I mean Joseph. Um, because I'm real bad at names. <laughs> and because every time that I've practiced this, I keep saying Joshua. I'm like, Lord, please help me. <laughs> okay, so the first, the first story comes from Genesis 41, and it's about Joseph. 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 Okay. <laughs> and in this story, Pharaoh, the leader of the, of the people at the time, the, the one that the Hebrews are enslaved to, Pharaoh, um, he has a series of dreams that are troubling him at night. He, like, cannot understand them. And so this is what scripture says about it. In the morning, he, Pharaoh, his mind was troubled. 
So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Okay, wise men and magicians. Magi. That's what we're talking about. Wise men and magicians. I'm like, I don't know about you, but I tend to think of the, like, pulling the wand out, and there's like a poof at the end of it when I think magician. But really for our intents and purposes, and a more modern translation of this would be like a palm reader or like somebody who does tarot cards, an astrologer who's like, oh, that's your zodiac. That explains so much, <laughs> right? Or those people who sleep with crystals under their pillows because they think it like imbues them with magical properties, right? And I, I don't say that to be offensive. I just say that because I think we've all met people like that in Colorado, right? Like we know these guys. They're, they're our best friend. They're our neighbor. They're our sister's wife's brother. Sister, um, sis, whatever. We can, ooh, <laughs> ooh, <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Okay, but, but that's a more modern translation of what magi looks like in biblical times, is a, is a palm reader, somebody who's, who's mystical, and they're probably really spiritual, but they don't love God. You get what I'm saying? Spiritual, but not religious. That's like a, a really good way to put it, actually. <laughs> so Pharaoh calls all of these people to him, and he says, these are my dreams. Tell me what they mean. And all of them say, the stars haven't aligned. I, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't get any messages from, from the spirit world. I don't really know what to tell you. Um, and so there's this guy, this cupbearer, who says, I know a person who's in prison. Uh, he's your man. He, you can call him, and he will interpret that dream for you. And, uh, and that man is Joseph. Joseph. <laughs> Not Joshua. Joseph. <laughs> okay, and this scripture says this in Genesis 41. Um, as Pharaoh is calling calling Joseph to interpret this dream, he comes, and this is what it says. Since God has made all this known to you, this is Pharaoh speaking to Joseph after he interpreted the dream, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all Egypt. So I just want to point out that Joseph, a, a former prisoner at this stage in the game, uh, has just been appointed in charge over all of the magi, all of the wise men, these people who are supposed to have the answers. And there's a super critical point here. Joseph's a Hebrew. That is unheard of. That doesn't just happen. These are the people who are enslaved, oppressed, looked down upon, right? And whose God's temples are torn to shreds, whose treasures are taken. And he's appointed over all of these magicians, over all of these wise men, these, these magi who are supposed to know. But they don't. Okay, and then our second story is a, it's also found in the Old Testament, and it's about Daniel. Thankfully, there are like a lot less D names in the Bible. <laughs> Praise the Lord, because this could have been bad. Okay, <laughs> so Daniel deals at the time of King Nebuchadnezzar, and I'm sure that you guys have heard that name, right? That's a, that's a, you don't forget a name like Nebuchadnezzar, am I right? Like, that was a good choice for king name. Um, <laughs> what do we know about this guy? He's really cruel. He's really smart, 
and he is really motivated. <laughs> this is the same guy who built that giant furnace and who put anybody in it who wouldn't bow down to him. This is that guy. Keep that in mind. He's, he's a scary dude, okay? And Daniel, this story follows like a really similar pattern to the, the pattern of Joseph's story. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar begins to have these dreams, and he cannot make heads or tails of them. Like, they don't make any sense to him. He can't figure them out. Um, but this time, when he calls all of the magi, the wise men, the magicians, to him, uh, he says, I'm not going to tell you my dream. Uh, you're going to tell it to me, and then you're going to interpret it, and that's how I'll know you ain't messing around with me. Okay? And he's, he even goes so far as to say, if you don't tell me my dream, I'm going to cut you into pieces. Uh, it's pretty gruesome, <laughs> right? And so here we are, all of these magi standing before King Nebuchadnezzar, and not a single one of them can think to them, what was his dream? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and so they're all like, okay, it's my turn. Ah, uh, you dreamt. Let's see, there was a Ferris wheel? Um, a pony. Next, right? <laughs> None of them know. And so Daniel, again, a Hebrew, um, he has been part of this wise men crew, if you will, for King Nebuchadnezzar. These, these guys serve kings. They serve nobility. These are the advisors to people of power, these magi. He has been appointed one of these people, and Daniel, but he's, he's far away at the time that this is happening. And Daniel hears about this, and he hears all of the, like, the cries of these magi who are like, we're all going to die because not a single one of us knows what this guy's dream is. He's crazy. Right? And Daniel steps in and he says, you know what? I know, I know the dream. God's given it to me. I know it. And so he goes before King Nebuchadnezzar. He tells him what his dream is, and he tells him what it means. And this is what King Nebuchadnezzar says in uh, Daniel 2, verses 46 through 48. Um, it's easy because the name of the book is the same name as his name. So like, Old Testament is easy, am I right? Okay. <laughs> then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered an, that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him a ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. It's funny. Just as there was a similar pattern in the beginning, there seems to be a similar pattern again. And all of these people are bowed before a Hebrew. It's almost like something is coming. Wow. Okay, so what do we know about the Magi? Like, do we have a better understanding of them? having heard these two stories. They, they serve kings. These are people who inform people of power, P-O-Ps, people of power, okay? These are important guys, right? These are guys that at the, at the drop of a hat have to be ready in their Sunday best to go before the king, right? I don't know about you. <laughs> that's like, that's not my life. That's not the life I live. <laughs> I'm like, most of the time, I'm like chilling in sweatpants, you know? These guys don't know what sweatpants are, one, because it's the Bible. And two, because these people have to be ready. Okay, they are looking at the stars. They are throwing their, what are those called? It's like dice, but they're, you throw them. Yes, they're casting lots. 
Thank you. You guys are so helpful. Um, <laughs> okay, so these are, these are people that really, for all intents and purposes, don't belong in the picture that we see them. They, they are out of place in the Christmas story. Okay, let's, let's get back to that Christmas story, by the way. That's what we're here for. Um, these people are magicians. They're not Israelites. Keep that in mind. They're coming from far away from the east, Scripture says, which is, I don't know if you've ever been to east. It pretty much goes forever. Uh, so anywhere, I, I suppose. <laughs> um, let's return to Matthew 2. It says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they said. Okay, back up. What's one of the things we just learned about the Magi? That they, they serve kings? Right, so imagine your surprise. You are fancy Roman King Herod, of all of the land, in charge of all these Hebrew people, for all intents and purposes, king of the Jews, and somebody comes to you and they say, hey, where's the king of the Jews? You say, uh, that's me. Uh, I am the king over them. Yes, that's me. And they say, no, he was just born. You say, no, he wasn't. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. And if we know anything about Romans, and about power, <laughs> we know that this is a recipe for disaster, right? This is, this is a recipe, this is them walking into a place and saying, hi, I know that you're the king, but you're, you're really not. Um, can you show us the real one? Um, and King Herod saying, <laughs> excuse you. Mm-mm. Okay, just, just keep this in mind. This, this is the very moment that Herod begins his schemes to kill Jesus, right? This is the very, the, from the very first beginnings of Christ's life, people have wanted him dead, okay? And it started with the Magi. And again, this, this kind of makes them seem out of place, doesn't it? Like, what a lot of trouble. What a lot of trouble the Lord spoke into Jesus's life by showing the Magi this star, Okay, but there's an important thing here for us. Let's, let's keep going. In verse 7, still Matthew 2, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too might go and worship him. Everything's fine, guys. <laughs> I'm not going to kill him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, and these people knew about dreams, they returned to their country by another route. Immediately after this in Scripture, an angel appears 
to another Joseph and says, you have to take your wife and you have to flee. Herod's coming. Okay, so we find these magi out of place in this story. They don't roll up to a palace to greet a king. They weren't asked for. Mary didn't call the stars and say, can you bring the magi? I have some questions. Right? They were not invited. They just showed up. But again, we see them bowing to a Hebrew king. It's almost like the power of the world is nothing compared to the power of the Lord. Okay, I want to I stop here because what an audacious question these people have asked King Herod. Where is the king of the Jews? We know the end of this story. They did not. We know what hope there is in the fact that he is king. But when they arrived, all that they saw was a baby. And that didn't stop them from worshiping him. They are an out-of-place people in a Bible story that we know so well. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. Um, And as I do, I just want us to stop and to consider whether we have ever felt like the Magi. Have you ever felt like an out-of-place people? An out-of-place person? You know, that this isn't my time. I should have been born in the 70s or the, the 90s or whatever, <laughs> right? Or, or all of my coworkers hate me. <laughs> I'm out of place here. Or worse, uh, my family can't stand me. Have you ever felt like an out of place person? Because there's such good news and such hope for Christmas if you have. There is hope in the Christmas story for you if you have felt like an out-of-place person. Because what we see from the very beginning of Jesus' life is that he has always drawn out-of-place people to his feet. Always. There is a place for you at the feet of Jesus if you are an out-of-place person. There's hope. Next Sunday, we are doing something called Christmas mugging. And what that means, it's not that we're going to roll out into our neighborhoods and say, pew, pew, Jesus loves you. It's, uh, even though that's also a great idea. <laughs> we are going to, after church, fill mugs uh, with hot cocoa, apple cider, different things. And we are going to personally hand those to two, one or two people that we feel need to hear messages like this that we know need to find themselves at the feet of Jesus. As we are sitting here, please think of those one or two people. Maybe those are your out-of-place people. Maybe those are the people who need to know that there is a place for them at the foot of the cross. Maybe it's a person that you haven't talked to in a long time. Maybe it's a person that you don't want to talk to. Who are your out-of-place people? Because there is hope for Christmas for them. Okay, I need you to find yourselves in a posture of prayer, um, whether that's standing, sitting, at the altar, whatever. Um, Just bow your heads with me.
God, we have all felt like an out-of-place person at one time or another. But what is so beautiful about the Christmas story is that you have put out-of-place people in it. Lord, these are, these are the first people who you reveal your plan to who don't already know Jesus, who don't already know of the Lord God. And so we pray for the people in our lives that don't already know you. We pray for the people in our lives who feel out of place. God, there's always room at your feet. From the very beginning of your time on earth, Lord, you have drawn out of place people to you. And we are grateful. God, we love you so much. We lift up our worship to you, knowing that we, an out of place people, have found our home in you. In Jesus' name, amen.